Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're coming to you live from the Treasure Coast of Florida. And we're making all of you people that are cold very jealous because we're sitting here in the RV with the air conditioning running. And I just came back from the pool. (laughs) If you don't know where the Treasure Coast is, it's on the Atlantic side, about a third of the way up from Miami. And just before you get to Daytona on the north end. So we uh, have been kind of traveling around this this month. Circumnavigating Florida. But we realized that last month we uh, actually forgot one of the major stops that we made, and we wanted to f- fill you in on that, and that was our trip to Lazy Days. Lazy Days is one of those campgrounds that uh, should not be missed. Actually, the whole Lazy Days experience is something you shouldn't miss. It's notorious, but no. in a good way. <laughs> the largest RV dealer in the country, and we took uh, our uh, chance to stop there as we passed through the Tampa Super Show, which we spoke to you about last time. But uh, the Lazy Days campground, we made a reservation there, and we couldn't stay too long because they, they wouldn't extend Are our... too darn range. busy. But what an RV facility that place is. 127 bays for fixing RVs. And selling RVs like there's no tomorrow. And huge lots um, with um, RVs grouped by size and kind and price range. Um, a huge used lot as huge well lo- because people are, are trading in um, their old stuff to buy something new from Lazy Days. And the repair facility was just awesome and amazing. It was so big. I've never seen so many repair bays in Including my Including a camping world. What made it reasonable to stay there was that they also have a campground. And what made it even more reasonable to stay there was that we ran in to a man who was an ambassador from Lazy Days, whatever that that means, means. Mm -hmm. at the Super Show, and he wrote us a voucher, (laughs) which put us in their um, elite club. The crown club. Crown club category, which meant that while we were staying there, we had free breakfast, free lunch, free cocktails, free camping. Free booze. (laughs) Yeah, well, cocktails, cocktail hour. Okay. Uh, and this was uh, this is fairly standard for Lazy Days. Um, even if you just stay in their campground, in their regular campground, you get breakfast and lunch uh, as part of the package and a newspaper delivered to your campsite. Oh, I forgot that. Uh, they were decent campsites. I mean, nothing really all that special, but the price was reasonable. Uh, even if you have to pay, it still is only 35 or so dollars a night, which by Florida standards, we now understand after having circumvented or circumnavigated <laughs> most Florida. of Florida is, uh, a bargain. is pretty much of a bargain. But uh, the facility is fabulous. Flying J. Um, and they also had all sorts of free classes going, free on. Classes um, going on. Mostly nice RV. That's under RV oriented learning about things. Um, how do you how to do internet in your RV? All sorts of RV oriented topics free as well. And they seem to be pretty much of a rally park, which is a, a park that hosts. Uh, groups of RVers who are organizing for a specific purpose. We were there just on our own just to kind of check it out. 
And as we said, it's, it's pretty close to Tampa. It's near the intersection of 75 and 4, so that uh, two major highways, it's worth stopping there if you have a chance. I'm usually rather dubious of things that are free because things that are free generally are not free. But I am something. pleased to say that we did not see a salesman the mm-hmm. entire no. weekend. Um, people were friendly. They no. talked to us. But if we wanted to buy something, it would have been up to us to initiate it, which was also awesome. But it is neat because they have um, literally acres and acres of RVs sitting, and they're all open. They're all you can just go out and kind of wander through them. And we wandered through some of the the bigger RVs that we hadn't uh, had a chance to see at the show. We w- we looked at the Beavers, for instance, fairly fairly carefully um, because we didn't have a chance to look at those. We looked at some country coaches, which those of you who know RVs and Class A's know that they're kind of at the top end of the scale, and probably not something that we will be able to afford in the distant in the near future or any or future. Any future. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But if you did buy one of those higher end RVs, you got um, a year or two membership in the Crown Club, which meant that whenever you That's came the there, was for. Um, you got the free lunch, the free right. dinner, the free liquor, the free campsite. And, and prioritized type of campsites. They had special campsites for their Crown Club. So it's quite an elite status. La-di-da. But you had to buy an RV that was 350 or more. Or more. That you can buy a, a lot of free lunches for that. will be our single-only experience. And people say the prices are pretty good. And you, you could do all your shopping right online at, at Lazy days. So uh, that was uh, a nice way to start off that, and we, from there, headed down the west coast of Florida. By and large, we've been um, doing this trip in a whimsical way. By that, I mean we didn't make any reservations from home. We didn't plan it out very thoroughly, and we did that on purpose because we found that you can only plan with accuracy to a point. Uh, You miss out on opportunities that you find out along the way. You'll have a meal with someone, and they'll tell you about a site that you really want to see, and because you've made reservations, you have to leave before you have time to do that. So we thought we would try to be more casual in our approach to Florida. And we didn't want to stay any place for any for very long. Time. And and that kind of has worked out okay, but uh, the downside of that is once you get south of the line, if you, if you look at a map and you look at where Fort Myers is and you draw a line from Fort Myers to the Atlantic coast, anything south of there is totally booked up and extremely expensive. It's not that we haven't been able to find a place to stay, but our first choices have not always been available. <laughs> so or or we, we've we stayed call. in places that were really expensive, very nice, but really expensive, and we were often in the less desirable part of the campground or in a campground that was in the less desirable part of the area where you had to drive farther to the beach or the sites or whatever there was to in see. In actuality, the campgrounds that we've stayed in have been the more expensive ones, which I guess would mean that, that those are the ones that are less, less That are left over. We stayed at a couple of campgrounds that were... <laughs> in the $70 a night range, um, which didn't really bother us. We had a nice cement pad and um, all the facilities in terms of pools and utility paved roads shed. and utilities and all that sort of stuff. And the one that was most expensive was an ownership campground in that most of the sites had been purchased by somebody, and if they were not using it, they had the right to rent it out to poor schlubs like us who were looking for a place to stay and make a little of that money back. Um, but they were quite pricey to my way of thinking. And remember, this is our first time camping this way in Florida, so you may be quite 
unsurprised by these things, but to us, this has been kind of a shock. This ownership campground business is something that seems to be really taking over and becoming very popular. And these I, I, these campsites, they were talking about uh, selling for between 100 and 150,000 just for the empty campsite. Plus, you had monthly maintenance Plus, fees uh, of a couple hundred and hundred two hundred fifty dollars a month. And I was just looking at uh, at one that was um, they're opening a new one in Everglades City. It's oh, not open yet. That's kind that's of a remote spot. That's, that's why we couldn't find it. But they were talking about the campground sites are going to run from two hundred and fifty to six hundred thousand. Just for a site. Did they come with a dock? Cause <laughs> yes. Because some of the really la dee da ones, you have a boat dock. Came with a dock. In addition still, to an RV that's dock. No house. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to then you have to put your one point six million dollar motorhome on there, <laughs> which I don't know. Is well, that something I'm about to do? And I find this kind of ironic because, um, in terms of housing, we've seen um, a lot of very clear signs of the depressed housing industry. A lot of homes for sale, a lot of homes in foreclosure, a lot of homes for rent. Um, so people with regular housing stock are not finding tenants to uh, to relieve them of their obligations. And I'm wondering how well these um, RV sites will go. You don't. Have have to get homeowner's insurance for it, I assume, and, yeah, I know. and it gives you a beautiful place to stay every winter, and yeah, but, yeah, if you've got yeah, much. Yeah, you could do a lot of it, camping for you sure could. 70 bucks a night for that kind of money. Anyway, um, we started off uh, at the, we, the, our last report to you was at the end of January. And we were talking about how full things were then. I think we talked, we stayed at DeSoto, which was a, a great place to stay, stay. And then we headed south, and we had to make numerous phone calls in order to find a campground to stay uh, further south. And then we found out that actually February is the big month, is the month that you cannot get reservations for. Is it not a whimsical month? That's right. We even called a couple of places, and they said, not only don't we have any spaces, but we don't even consider renting unless you rent for at least February. For February and one other month. January, February, or February, March. That's kind of depressing when you call, and that's the reaction you get. But we've found places to stay, and they've been nice places. We haven't been in a single Walmart parking lot, although that's always my backup plan. Always the backup plan. But I wanted to mention that um, if you are going and choosing a campsite, one of the things that we've been doing lately is using um, a couple of websites that actually allow users to review the websites, uh, the campgrounds. We've used it for every campground that we've been in. We have actually reviewed a couple of them for the first time. Uh, That may seem somewhat contradictory, and it is. (laughs) We've stayed at at a couple places uh, for a very short time, and I have just reviewed them for the first time. But if you have a chance, you might want to take a look at at this website, and it's called RV Park Reviews, and that's one word, rvparkreviews.com. And this site uh, has thousands of reviews done by people who have camped at various campsites. And of course, I would never rely on just one review of a campground, but when you see 10 reviews and they're all good or 10 reviews and they're all bad, uh, it definitely gives you a flavor as to whether that campground is worth going to. And often the more recent reviews will give you a pretty clear idea of what you will be paying because my campground book always says last year's price and then it gives you a range. And even though I know we're here in the high season and it's going to be the high price rather than the low one, it's nice to hear what somebody really did pay who was just in that park two weeks ago. Using the um, Trailer Life or Woodalls or one of the the camping books, in addition to using the website, is um, really a very uh, good way to select a campground. And we've been pretty happy with the campgrounds that we've finally gotten into. Uh, The other one that you might want to take a look at, which I don't consider quite as good, is the website. It's called The RV There Yet. 
and I think it's supposed to be a, a play on words, are we there yet? But it's the R-V-T-H-E-R-E-Y-E-T dot C-C. So it's not com. Anyway, you're going to want to go look at our website to get that one. These are two websites that uh, give you reviews, and uh, we've used them extensively and, and really appreciate them. So heading on down, we stopped at um, Fort Myers. We spent about a week there, and then we headed further south, and we went to Naples. We had a good time there. And Naples, of course, is a nice spot because it's right above the Everglades. So when you feel like civilization, like going out to eat or seeing a movie, you just drive a little north. And when you feel like um, birds and wildlife and nature and gators, you just drive a little bit south. So it's it's a nice in-between place to stay. We went to the Seafood Festival in uh, Everglades City, which is why we were down there kind of looking for that campground. And we couldn't find it. And the reason why is because it's under construction. We drove across uh, the Alligator Alley and stayed in Homestead, which, of course, has all been rebuilt. The last time we tried to stay in Homestead, it was uh, our reservation was canceled because the uh, Wilma had... No, that was Andrew. Oh, that Andrew had ripped out... The town, the whole town, and and you could tell that every it looked very nice, and but everything was rebuilt. And there we stayed in a, I think, a, a kind of an unusual park because it was about eighty percent or ninety percent uh, park models, and then they had interspersed with it. They had little cement pads that you could put an RV. So most of the residents were uh, full time residents. And that was an interesting area because a lot of agriculture and ornamental nursery type plants are grown there, and we passed huge orchards and. Fields with a lot of people out picking this and that. It was quite picturesque in an agricultural sort of way. We're not going into much detail here, but just to kind of give you an idea of what you might want to see. And we then headed south into the Keys, and we had a real benefit there because uh, I don't think I ever would have tried to camp in the Keys without a very secure reservation <laughs> because you get down there and, you, you know, there's no place to camp, and they, they absolutely forbid you from camping any place uh, in, in public and, and the rest areas or the Walmarts or parking lots. And of course, once you leave mainland Florida, it's 110 miles drive to Key West, and you wouldn't want to make that drive and find out you had nowhere to stay when you got to the other end. Although there are quite a few campgrounds, and some nice ones. We were looking at uh, $100 a night or so for uh, our short-term stay. <laughs> so, although, having now driven through a couple of them um, and looked at the campsites, uh, they did apparently have vacancies, so we probably could have gotten in, at least for a short period of time. But we had the the luxury of having a friend who has a vacant lot that they own. They own two houses and a vacant lot, and we were able to park the old RV on their lot. And mooch their water and electricity. It was great. And, and had a great canal view. One of the things we were surprised about in, in, the, in the Keys, I guess, in, in frankly, in all of Florida, is how many canals there are. And all this has been man-made, and they've give waterfront property to people that are pretty far inland. Well, and our friends told us that some of these canals don't really go anywhere. I thought you would park your boat in the canal and sail out to the ocean, but she said not necessarily so. When you're you're driving along the coast of Florida with a GPS on, it looks like um, a lace doily. The coastline is just so chopped up with canals. That was a, a nice trip, and we headed back up north, and now we are in... Fort Pierce. We on wanted, the Treasure Coast. We wanted to stay in uh, 
Fort we wanted to stay in Fort Lauderdale, but it was below that imaginary line that I described a little while ago. And they said to me, oh, not till the end of February can we find a place for you. We thank you for listening, and it's uh, it's been a great month. And we actually have gotten quite a few emails from folks, and I wanted to sh- give a little shout-out to some people who have given us some help and some ideas. And, Joe, I wanted to thank you very much for your help with uh, Levelator. And we'll hope that uh, everybody can hear the difference in the podcast now. And, uh, David, thanks for your link. Um, actually, a mistake on my part. And, and we actually heard uh, had an email from Marty, who um, is probably gets the – the award for being the closest to our home <laughs> and actually lives uh, uh, probably less than 15 miles from our house back in Romeoville and he is uh, a camper and uh, listens to the podcast and we could actually run into him <laughs> not in the campground but near you but in a camping world <laughs> anyway um, and Steve sent us some nice comments Kevin and lots of other people have sent us uh, some very nice emails and we do appreciate that so keep those coming and uh, we'll try to answer just as many as we can. Remember, we have a couple of ways for you to contact us. You do, of course, know the email, and that's navigator at rvnavigator.com and our listener comment line, which hasn't been too busy, 815-230-0772. And remember that you can call us there even when we aren't at home. Anytime, because voicemails are forwarded to us as an email attachment. So we get those emails no matter where we are, and we want to hear from you guys. So... Keep your suggestions and uh, comments about the technicalities of our of our podcast. Uh, that's what the Levelator is about. Well, hopefully, um, the, the podcast is sounding even better than it has in the past, or <laughs> better. I don't know, even better if it has sounded good. A pleasant listening experience, right? And so you don't have to keep juggling with the volume control all the time. And I understand that's tough, and that's tough on my end to make that happen because I do try. Believe me. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about. Uh, a couple of uh, topics today. Um, we're going to talk about the news, some of the things that have been happening in the RV world. And topic number two will be some of the gizmos and gadgets that we picked up at the Tampa Super Show. Remember last time we just talked about the RVs that we saw. Oh, and I forgot the red RV that had six slide outs. Damon Motor Coach is making a six slide RV. Does one come out of the roof? Class A. Well, it has three on each side. And and I say, well, how about just doing the, the full wall thing? And they say, nope. We don't like full walls because we like to have make our RV have areas, living areas. And so they have, in their Class A, they have like a living room, and then they have a kitchen, and then they have a bedroom. And the two slides in each, but a kind of a divider in between. I'd She's have, looking skeptical. I'd have to see it. <laughs> Hopefully when we go to Perry, you'll be able to see it. It was the big red one. I don't we just, remember. We didn't walk into it, but I saw it. I'll put a, a layout of the... Of the plan on the website. News item number two. <laughs> and I don't even know if I could legitimately tell you about this one. It's reported that uh, actually the price of gasoline and stuff is supposed to stabilize. Quote your sources. This is from, this is from the DOE. The, our federal government is telling us this. And they're expecting the prices to go down. But with diesel prices headed in this area, um, headed uh, north of uh, 350 and gas prices uh, right around um, 215, or 315, they're saying that in September we should see gas at 275. Yeah. Unless there's some more hurricanes. Unless there's some more hurricanes. Who knows? But, geez. Is the barrel price was over $101. Yeah, that's, I know. I don't know. 
anyway, I try to report these things. I'm not going to talk about any of the layoffs, but most of the RV makers have had uh, some fairly big layoffs. Fleetwood is most recently, Newmar as, as well, and Monaco, as we reported last month. But uh, things are not looking good in the RV market um, due to declining sales. And if you know the price of gas goes up that much... has to have an effect. Yeah, it has to have an effect because people are going to be, be looking at uh, much smaller RVs in the not-too-distant future. And we may be parked here in Florida for the duration. <laughs> Who knows? We had kind of a shock. We went to a dealer to have our <laughs> have our oil changed, the 12 gallons of oil that our diesel takes or whatever it takes. And uh, having your oil changed and your chassis lubed and filters and stuff like that for the tune of 300 bucks. I now see that uh, Speedco, which is a chain, uh, they have over 50 outlets throughout the United States. You don't have this... Speedco is um, a company that's starting to offer uh, oil changes for RVers. And the company said that RVers will be hand- handled on a first-come, first-served basis and in most cases will be back on the road in an hour after oil filter and lubing. All centers are open 16 hours a day beginning at 7 a.m. And I assume the prices will be somewhat lower than 300 bucks. Let us pray. Which your typical RV dealer will be charging you. And even though we only have to have service done every 20,000 miles, it still is a piece of change. Yes, it's almost a fill up, <laughs> which is hard to believe. Anyway, you might want to take a look uh, if you're in the market for having a, your Class A or or any Class C probably uh, oil changed, and that's at www.speedco speed s p e e d c o dot com. Speedco, and uh, I haven't actually seen them, but I'm certainly going to be looking for them. They're in the Midwest and in Georgia, I notice, a state that we'll be going through in the not-too-distant future. So we will take a look at them, and, uh, of course, we won't need an oil change for the 20,000 miles, but I'm just going to take a look at, at what they have. Uh, you might want to check out um, another interesting <laughs> uh, tactic that uh, Monaco is using. Uh, this is called the RVSpyGuys.com, and they have a undercover video where two guys try to break into a Monaco plant and and spy. And, of course, it is done by Monaco, and it's an advertisement for Monaco, but they're trying this, the web version of uh, t- to generate some interest. But that's at RV Spy, Spy Guys. It's about a seven-minute video, and it's it's pretty funny. It's it's nicely done, and done tongue in cheek. Now everybody has a fantastic fan. Well, not everybody, but everybody should have a fantastic. Our, fan. fa- our fantastic fans run every time, all the time when it's not uh, when we don't have the air conditioning or heat on, because they provide a nice ventilation for the inside of our RVs. And you've seen these are these fantastics. We the have roof, two. The roof vent. And they and they close themselves automatically when it rains, That's so the that you don't sound get sound of the fantastic. You don't get a leak, right? They close themselves even when you don't want them to close. And you can do. either run them manually, or you can send uh, choose a temperature that and you they want have them a to open on. And yours may be um, less or more manual than that. Uh, they have just plain manual ones, but they now offer an upgrade to the top of the line model six six. Zero zero, and with a remote control, so that you can sit back in your easy chair and control your your fantastic fan. And this is an easy upgrade that any any RVer can do just by themselves. And why don't you want to have one? I wouldn't want to have it at all. <laughs> I've been taking number keeping, one. I've been keeping her from talking. 
Number one, it might be good to get up and move once no, in a while. Number two, we are already suffering from a surplus of remote controls that fly around the rig as we go down the road. And it's always a mystery to me which remote control goes with which gizmo oh, and why would I want to have more. Okay. Well, I think it's cool, and you may think it's cool, too. If you have a fantastic fan that maybe isn't working quite right or you'd like to make it automatic with a thermostat, this is an upgrade. www.fantasticvent.com. All of these links, of course, will be at thervnavigator.com for you to click on so you don't have to write them all down and stop your car and speed off the end of the road. But, of course, you're listening on your iPod, so it doesn't make any difference anyway. Just press press pause and listen to it at a later date. So that's some of the news that we've uh, had around here. Um, we wanted to talk today about some of the gizmos and gadgets as one of the featured items, uh, gizmos and gadgets that we picked up at the RV show. And the Finance Committee has had several serious um, meetings and come up with, uh, a plan to purchase these things. What finance committee? You. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got pulled over once again. Looking at what we bought, and only two of the things w- were things that I would have bought. Well, that's why the finance committee had to meet. <laughs> Fifty-one forty-nine or something. Some things we thought you might like to take a look at, and that we have uh, well more or less appreciated, and we'll give you our candid opinions about these. As you know, we take no advertising, so we can say what we want. First of all, the intervac. This was an interesting story because we went to, and I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast because um, it sounded like a cool idea. Uh, I've looked at central vacs for the motorhome, and you have to install them and put in pipes and and stuff like that. And so I thought there must be an easier way to do this, and there is. And like buying an external vacuum cleaner and just using that. Nah, it's much too hard. It's It takes up much too much space. So this is a surface mount vacuum. That's very powerful and has worked out very well for us. We have it mounted inconspicuously, so you wouldn't even notice it if you came into the RV. We hide the 40-foot snake, which collapses down to 8 feet, the hose underneath the sofa so that you don't see that. And that would be hard to do with a regular vacuum cleaner, right? Finance committee. (laughs) The finance committee is not talking. Um, They are, I agree, just a little bit expensive, but we got a really good deal. Yeah, that was amazing. We were standing there at the booth at the um, RV sh- Super Show look, talking to the salesman, and, and this other man ca- kept kind of hovering around us, and he whispered in our ear, um, when you're done, come talk to me. And I thought, what is this? And so we finished talking to the salesman, and he was still hanging around. And so he started talking to us, and he told us that he had discovered this very same Intervac um, whole house vacuum cleaner for your motorhome um, at a store that sells leftover stuff from the home shopping network on TV. Now you can imagine uh, those home shopping channels uh, lay in a huge supply of all the stuff that they're incessantly selling 24-7. I don't know, I never watch it, but they have stuff left over. And so this store was selling um, the remaining goods at a discounted price. About two-thirds the price. And was about oh maybe 10 miles away from the Tampa Super Show. So this man drew a map for us on the back of a shopping bag and off we went and now we have an intervac that we didn't we know may we this needed before, but it is a it is a cool device second device we bought a spot free water softener 
for the RV. This is a tube that's about uh, 22 inches long and about 8 inches in diameter, 6, 8 inches in diameter. It comes uh, with a filter, a whole house filtering system, and it softens your water and cleans it. And it's supposed to provide you with spot-free water for washing your RV and, of course, providing you with clean and safe water, soft water for the use of your interior also. So we just have it hooked up. It has to be recharged uh, every 1,000 gallons. Um, and what with, does that mean? Uh, just like at home, you have to use uh, water softener salt, and you put it in this little container and let it dissolve, and it re changes the ions or something. I don't know what soft water is exactly, but this filters and softens the water. Are you satisfied with the spot-freeness of it? Um, no. Uh-huh. And I would say that for somebody who's driving a big hulking motorhome like we are, 40 feet long, it's a nice thing to have. But if I was in a smaller rig, it just too, takes up too much space. Not only the, the rig, well, the, the gizmo you, itself, but it the salt that you have depends on the water, to, how concerned you are about your water. Because not but only you can does get it, smaller water filters. We had smaller Filters, ones. but not softeners. softeners. If it depends on if you like soft water. So this is a nice device. It requ- Optional. Requires no real um, maintenance other than recharging it every once in a while. And it's easy to hook up. It's a cylinder, just sits outside and is waterproof. I mean, it doesn't isn't affected by the elements or anything, so that it just works. Nice to have. Nice to have. We also bought a pair of RV headsets. Uh, since we have gotten this motorhome, the walkie-talkies that we used in the past when I tried to help Ken uh, back up our fifth-wheel travel trailer uh, didn't work very well for me because I'm standing behind behind him and I'm standing inches away from the diesel engine which <laughs> broadcasts at a much higher decibel rate than, than the walkie-talkie and he would talk to me and I wouldn't answer because I couldn't hear him. So we've purchased these headsets uh, which are voice activated and mm, Well, they're two channel. It's it, very nice. It goes on my head right. with a, a headphone so, so it blocks out some sound. of the engine noise and that's been helpful. Yes, um, and because they're duplex, meaning that you can both talk and listen at the same time, and there's no buttons to push, um, that makes it so that you can actually have a conversation and without... And that's better for you while you're driving. Yeah, because I can't pick up the headset With a walkie-talkie, you have questions. to push the button. Uh, just as an aside, I, all of the backup cameras, when you put them in reverse, have a volume control, actually have a microphone out there, and I have with the engine on, I have no idea how you're supposed to hear anything. I have to turn the volume all the way down because <laughs> I hear the engine. It's Really loud back there. Maybe if you had an engine in the front. Yeah, well, why even bother to put the stupid <laughs> five? Why, why have a microphone back there with the engine on? I just don't. I don't know why they even have that. That just seems like total lunacy. A waste. A waste. Thank you. Um, we also bought an amazing awning ant. And this um, we bought as a result of <laughs> pulling in our slide on some nights. And there would be this huge gush of water uh, because we have the slide cover, um, slide awning. The water and, gathers in the awning when it rains Well, and, and pools. And over the years. And stretches um, it. Stretches it and so that it now collects the water. And um, I don't think that that's so good for the awning. So this is kind of a, a simple collection of PVC pipe, so, am I right, that so, right? um, that you kind of cut and shape to the dimensions of your awning. Yeah, it took me a while to, uh, it took me a couple of tries to get the dimensions right because I wasn't, uh, it wasn't clear to me exactly how to cut it. But if you have a saw, which you need, because <laughs> you have to build this thing, it's not, because it's up high, you know, it's uh, it's. You need a ladder to put it. 
well, up, you, up, don't you? if you got it, it depends on how big your slide is and how long it is. Uh-huh. Anyway, it, it's a simple device that seemingly should work well, but if, if it comes apart in the middle, then you have a hard time fishing it out without getting you, on a ladder. Yeah, because you you don't glue it together; it's all just uh, press fittings. And that's and good because when you want to house it underneath, yes, when you're when you on, take underway, it, you don't it. want this. But I'm thinking of gluing some pieces of it together because uh-huh. they will be more or less permanent. Uh-huh. So mixed reviews on that one. Mixed reviews. Um, We're still working. It's a nice it out. idea, and I the other idea is to put in kind of arched shaped pieces. But I don't know how they fit in there either because our slide is 16 feet long and you just can't get in the middle. And so this thing you feed in, you assemble it on the ground, and then you feed it in through the one end. Think of people with the full wall slides. That would be really hard for them. Uh, and impossible. Yeah. So I don't know what they do. <laughs> You'll have to ask the amazing Ani Ant people. Anyway, they don't seem to have a website, but their phone number is 386 386- Two nine nine seven one one one, and if you'd like to send them an email, it's the amazing awning ant at cfl dot dot com. I'm sure there are other devices, and I'd like to hear if you know of some other devices that uh, that do something similar. So we will keep you posted as to how that works because we've only used it uh, a couple of times, and now we want to talk about. Uh, the last item, and that is uh, an idea that uh, I got out of RV Business Magazine, the February issue, and they have an article called The 21st Century Campground. And they have some ideas here about things that every campground should have in the 21st century, and we'd like to hear what you think, because this is kind of an intriguing idea. Uh, last month we talked about whether you'd rather stay in an inexpensive campground or, whether you're, or an inexpensive hotel in a campground or a hotel. This time, let's talk about uh, what you're expecting in, in new campgrounds. And some of the things that they list, that they talk about, that uh, that it should every every campground should have a web presence. And I absolutely think that's true. We almost never stay in a campground that doesn't have a web presence because we like to go there for the maps. And they should also have the... Um, GPS coordinates. GPS coordinates. The site we are in right now, we found because they had the GPS coordinates. We couldn't find the yeah, It's a new road, and they aren't in our GPS. Right. So that was a, a big help, and we thank them for having that. So web presence, to me, is critical for any campsite in the 21st century. Make sure that the sites are easily accessible and have a full range of hookups. Well, certainly we've suffered from some of the older campgrounds we've been in because they were not built when rigs the size of ours were being used, and it makes it very hard to maneuver through them and to turn around and back With in. Narrow and streets and narrow campsites. And you feel like you're, the finish of your vehicle is yeah. always at risk as you uh, move I, through those old parks. And I, I don't know what they can do about it at this point, but well, certainly they could reconfigure things. a newer one should um, be spacious enough for large rigs to maneuver. And, and we visited a of ours in Fort, who was staying in Fort Myers in a campground, which obviously was required a shoehorn to get into. And he, t- and he uh, has damaged his RV at least twice because he stays there for a couple of months, but he's damaged his RV at least twice just driving through the streets, including once taking out a shed. That was because the streets were too narrow, and I'm kind of afraid to drive down in that kind of an area. So campgrounds need to be set up for modern rigs. That, that to me, is, is crucial. They should provide clean, well-maintained restrooms. 
And that, to me, has become less important yes. as I have had a more sophisticated rig. But certainly for anybody who's tent camping or van camping, uh, that's essential. Yeah. You don't want to be disgusted when you use the plumbing facilities. Yeah, yeah, and I think everybody is sensitive to that, and that's one of the first things you you notice when you come into a campground is how well the facilities are taken care of. Uh, and another thing they suggest is the campground should start offering more cabin-type accommodations, and I think that's a good idea to broaden their appeal to a broader range of people. And we have often, not often, but we have uh, on a couple of occasions wanted to have... Friends that don't camp stay right. with us. Exactly. And we didn't have room for them in our rig, and if the campground had a cabin that they could rent, then we could all be in the same park together. And I think it's smart of campgrounds to do that because it brings a wider range of clientele in, mm-hmm. uh, people who don't consider camping or haven't tried it. Yes, and, and one time we stayed in a parking lot of the hotel that they were staying in. <laughs> Another time they stayed in the cabins that were part of the campground that we were staying in. So we've done it both ways, but I think we would uh, rather have them stay in the in the cabins because it's uh, it's more convenient. Yeah, we don't like to stay. And in the, usually they're pretty reasonably priced. When more. we stayed in the parking lot, we had permission, but I still don't like to do that very well. We should uh, expect more concierge services, and I think we would appreciate that too. Even here, what, this is a very nice campground that we're staying at here. In, uh, this place knocked my socks off. We we left yesterday and left our awning out, which is something that we know we shouldn't do. But it wasn't windy at the time. Uh, but while we were gone, it got windy. And um, as you probably know, if you've camped at all, uh, awnings can get twisted and bent. And we even know one time when somebody's trailer tipped over because their awning turned into a sail and flipped it on its side. So anyway, you shouldn't leave your awning out when it's windy. And the people who run this campground noticed that our awning was out, tried to come into our rig to close it for us, but they couldn't because we'd locked the door and it has a remote control. What a surprise is that? Uh, so they phoned us and said that they were concerned about our awning, and I was just really touched that they bothered and that they cared. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, but by concierge service, I think we mean uh, connecting with the community and helping you, which this place has not really done. Know what there is to sightsee. Sightsee yeah. and provide a wide range range of uh, brochures and help uh, in terms of the, the people at the desk should be trained to have knowledge about what the, the community is doing and it's you know to attract our viewers. sort of like a mini visitor center yeah yeah definitely um, and they need to have lots of activities and inter- entertainment. We were just talking about that this afternoon. Well, that really depends. Yes. Uh, there are campgrounds well, that we stay at frequently when we're on the you move. You know your audience. Or you are just staying there overnight. And then I very much resent having to pay for entertainment and activities that I'm never going to utilize. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is uh, that uh, they should provide wireless if, if, Wi-Fi access. You know, I consider that more important than a pool. But, uh, but that's you. But that's me. But... I think that wireless Internet access is something that uh, RV campgrounds should be providing, and it should be free, I think, to heck with TangoNet. We have found this particular campsite to offer very good wireless throughout the campground, apparently. We get it, uh, and it's fast and connects up, and we use it, even though we have two forms of... Uh, alternate forms. Alternate and forms and many campers who really care about technology do bring their own Internet of one sort or another. Well, but it would be nice to hear that we could not have to do that if we right, rely right. on campgrounds to have it. So we uh, will turn it over to you. What do you think should be included with 21st century campgrounds? And are the campgrounds that you're camping in now up to 21st century standards? And I would say, as you would guess, some are and some aren't. And I would say more aren't than are. 
um, and certainly state parks are have a different caliber. Yeah, it really depends why you're going there and yeah. what you're expecting. I can think of friends of ours that very much value pristine out in the woods kind of experiences and don't give a damn if they have the internet or not. It's, right, it, right. It just depends on what you like to do. But we're a specific audience of baby boomers and I think that uh, campgrounds need to be responsive to our needs and of course they need to focus on a specific uh, group that they're going to be marketing to. And that's something, you know, they focus on, on who their audience is going to be and who they're going to. And we don't stay at Jellystones. Because we don't have children. Exactly. And we appreciate this park not having many kids. Just a few. All right. So it is time for us to turn it over to next month. And we will uh, be camping in a campsite near you in the near future. Well, if you're in Florida. No, we'll be in Georgia next month. We're heading up to Georgia. And uh, your next report will probably be from the, uh, the rally, as it's referred to. So we'll be giving you a full report of what's going on in Perry, Georgia come the middle of the month. So this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels, and we'll see you at a campground near us.